You are listening to an episode of Ask the Pastor. My name is Reverend Greg Capel, and I'm the pastor of Trinity Bible Church in Glassboro, New Jersey. In this episode, we are going to answer the question, is it morally right for a Christian to vote for the lesser of two evils? Before answering this question, I want to be clear that as Christians, we are called to be moral absolutists. A moral absolutist is someone whose morality is based on the universal precepts and principles of Scripture. Now, the lesser of two evil principle states that when faced with selecting from two immoral positions, the least immoral position should be chosen. The principle is derived from moral relativism, the belief that truth is based on variables such as situations or feelings. In the modern era, the lesser of two evil policy was part of United States foreign policy strategy known as the Kirkpatrick Doctrine, to justify supporting communist Joseph Stalin during World War II. The belief was that Stalin was the lesser of two evils when compared to Hitler. This policy was adopted by leftists who disapproved of the government's support for the Vietnam War. Huffington Post writer Stanford J. Rosen stated, quote, beginning with the 1968 presidential election, I have often heard from liberals that they could not vote for the lesser of two evils. Some say they would not vote. Some say they would vote for a third-party candidate, end quote. This principle has become part of the United States political vocabulary. Every election cycle, voters who believe they are forced to vote for a candidate who is less evil than the other candidate. Further, the position is justified by believing that choosing the lesser evil is better than not voting at all or voting for a candidate who has no chance of winning, which will result in the greater of two evils winning. The first problem with this principle is that it is focused on the consequences of the election. As moral absolutist, we are to be non-consequentialist. That is, we need to make a decision based on scripture not on the consequence. Therefore, to subscribe to a principle that denies one's entire moral position is fatal to one's biblical ethic. The second problem with this principle is that it is a logical fallacy known as a false dilemma. A false dilemma presents two positions as the only possible options when there are more options. This dilemma is false because there are always more than two options. One, the Christian is not morally obligated to vote. Voting is a privilege afforded to citizens of the United States. However, there is no moral absolute commanding the Christian to vote. If an individual believes that both candidates are evil, then they may choose not to vote. Remember, it is ultimately God who appoints rulers and removes rulers. Daniel 2.21 it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. Daniel 4.17 The Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets it over the lowliest of men. As well, the Christian can choose to vote for a candidate that is in line with their moral absolutes. 
Unfortunately, many succumb to the logical fallacy that choosing another option than the two presented allows a greater evil to come to power. Even if the majority is choosing one evil or another, believers must not. Exodus 23.2 You shall not follow the masses in doing evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to pervert justice. A third problem with the lesser of two evils principle is that it is a moral fallacy. German-American political theorist Hannah Arendt stated, quote, If you are confronted with two evils, thus the argument runs, it is your duty to opt for the lesser one, whereas it is irresponsible to refuse to choose altogether. Those who denounce the moral fallacy of this argument are usually accused of a germ-proof moralism, which is aligned to political circumstances of being unwilling to dirty their hands. The weakness of this argument has always been that those who choose the lesser evil forget very quickly that they choose evil. Arden is correct. Choosing the lesser of two evils is always a choice for evils. Is choosing evil an option for the moral absolutist? No. The moral absolutist is concerned only with choosing the moral position. To choose an immoral position would be immoral. If an individual chose a moral position, and yet the immoral position won, the individual choosing morally is still moral, regardless of the consequences. Scripture presents a clear precept regarding evil. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 Abstain from every form of evil. A believer cannot obey this precept and choose the lesser evil. In fact, the one who fears the Lord should hate evil. Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverted mouth I hate. Furthermore, righteousness makes a nation great, but sin brings disgrace to a nation. Proverbs 14.34 Furthermore, choosing evil is never going to produce righteousness. Romans 3.8 And why not say, as we are slanderously reported, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Their condemnation is just. Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? On Romans 3, 8, Albert Barnes states, quote, Whatever is evil is not to be done under any pretense. Any imaginable good which we may think will result from it, any advantage to ourselves or to our causes, or any glory which we may think may result to God, will not sanction or justify the deed. Michael Markovich of Repent America states, quote, Christians must turn from the endless cycle of voting for the lesser of evils and expecting an unrighteous act to produce a righteous result. From a communist to a cultist, Choosing the lesser of two evils is still evil, and never should we do evil that good may come, end quote. So if choosing between the lesser of two evils is not a moral option for the believer, then for whom should the Christian vote? Considering that government officials are God's ministers, 
the scripture actually presents criteria for a morally pleasing candidate. Again, regardless of the circumstance, believers must choose a candidate that aligns with God's criteria. Now, government is to uphold law. Is there any law greater than God's? No, because God's law serves four purposes. One, it convicts sinners of their need of a Savior. Two, it restrains the progression of sin. Three, it provides the standard for obedience to God. Four, it provides the means for national blessing. Deuteronomy 26, 16-19 This day the Lord your God commands you to do these statutes and ordinances. You should keep all His commandments, and that He will set you high above all nations which He has made for praise, fame, and honor. Now before stating that this verse is only for Israel, consider Ecclesiastes 12.13. The conclusion, when all have been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments, because this applies to every person. Furthermore, if a nation is going to enjoy God's blessing, then it must obey God's law. How is a nation to obey God's law if its citizens continue voting for individuals who spurn God's law? Leaders must not only obey God's law, they should meet the following ten criteria. Number one, leaders must worship God. Psalm 72, 11, And let all kings bow down before him, and all nations serve him. Psalm 138, 4, All the kings of the earth will give thanks to you, O Lord. Number two, leaders must be righteous. Proverbs 20, 28, Loyalty and truth preserve the king and he upholds his throne by righteousness. Proverbs 29.2 When the righteous increase, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, people groan. Number three, leaders must be just. Psalm 82, 2-4 How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. Proverbs 29.4 The king gives stability to the land by justice, but a man who takes bribes overthrows it. Number four, leaders must be wise. Proverbs 8.12 I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. Number five, leaders must be honest. Proverbs 17.7 Excellent speech is not fitting for a fool, much less are lying lips to a prince. Number six, leaders must be moral. Proverbs 31, 3 to 5. Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink, for they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Number seven, leaders must be humble. Proverbs eight thirteen. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. Number eight, leaders must be teachable. Ecclesiastes 4.13 A poor yet wise lad is better than an old and foolish king who no longer knows how to receive instruction. Number nine, leaders must provide security. Habakkuk 2.12 Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and founds a town with violence. Psalm 94, 20 and 21. Can a throne of destruction be allied with you, one which devises mischief by degree? They band themselves together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. And number 10, 
leaders must have courage. Joshua 1, 6 and 7. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. These ten biblical criteria provide us with God's view of a morally pleasing candidate. Again, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the consequences, believers must choose a candidate that aligns with God's criteria. This has been an episode of Ask the Pastor. To learn more about Trinity Bible Church Glassboro, visit our website, www.trinitybiblechurchglassboro.com. Thanks for listening.